Well, good morning. So good to have you here today. And as uh, some parents are walking back in, we'll come back to our reading. But today we're starting a series called Choices, and we titled it Choices because we found a good video. Um, No, actually, we made that. But if you think about it, our life is really just the sum total of the choices that we make. Some of those choices are momentous, and some of them are trivial. Some of them are easy, and some of them are quite difficult. But our life is filled with choices. And those choices matter. Because choices determine who we become and what we're able to do. Now, maybe you're not convinced, so I'll give you an example. When I die, I thought about when you die, but that wouldn't feel very nice. So when I die, the tissue in my body will leave clues to the choices I made with food and exercise. And when, the, when I'm finished with my career, you'll be able to see the choices that I made and what I thought was important in the world and with what I did. The confidence that my children have and the faith that they have will actually point to the choices that I made while they were in my house. And the people that go to my funeral and the things that they say there will whisper secrets about my choices. I think that's true for each of us. Our choices are not the only power at work in the world. We don't want to say that our choice is all-powerful. No, God has all the power. And while God often works through us, our choices, um, God works in ways that we can't completely comprehend. And so we battle spiritual forces of darkness that battle against our godly choices. Plus, there are things going on in the world where we're not really in control. In fact, we have very little control if you think about the broad range of the world. That's why I think choice is different from control. Because our right choices don't necessarily guarantee right outcomes. And, and while many things are outside of our control, people can question God or even if God exists. And, and it's because of the tragedy and the evil that we see in the world. And so if, if you're someone who does that, first of all, that's okay. Second of all, you're not alone. I think God can handle your doubts, your questions, and the things that, that you're just not sure about. And restoration is a community of people where we're not perfect. Don, you did a great job in, in demonstrating that today. Thanks. <laughs> and not only that, we, uh, we don't have perfect answers. But we do believe in a God who is mightier than anything we can comprehend, who works in ways that we can't always understand, but who's fully revealed himself in the person of Jesus. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at these five specific choices. They have to do with purpose, importance, growth, discipline, and surrender. And I want to encourage you to attend each week because these aren't just choices that we make once. They're actually choices that we have to make over and over again. But if we do, I truly believe that at the end of our life, we will feel full. We will feel complete. We will feel like God is smiling on us and we are smiling back at him. So in order to introduce the choice today that we're talking about, I want you to just picture something with me. All right, I want you to imagine for a moment... Ready? Imagine for a moment that 
everyone you know likes you. Like you're watching, your, if you're a Facebook person, you're watching your Facebook friends just tick up and up and up. Every time you post, they put likes on it. Like at work, when you do something, people are amazed. Your family, the friends, the people that live in your house, they all are like, wow, that was awesome. You can't do anything wrong. How does that feel? Unfamiliar. Right? Because it's completely impossible. Never going to happen. Absolutely, absolutely unreasonable. You cannot please everyone. In fact, I had a boss that had a plaque on his desk that said, I can only please one person today. Today is not your day. Tomorrow doesn't look good either. Not kidding. I used to hate that black. But actually, the more I've come to understand it, I think I want one. I'll tell you why in a few minutes. Because imagine if you could, every single day, that you could wake up with purpose, knowing exactly who you were, secure in your identity, and that you were doing what you were created to do. If you believe and follow Jesus, imagine being so consumed with pleasing Jesus that what people think doesn't even matter to you. Imagine being able to wake up and know God loves me and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and doesn't matter what anyone else says. I'm not distracted by their thoughts. I'm not distracted by how many likes I have. I just am enthralled with God. Because if you can imagine that, it's actually not just something that we could imagine. It's actually something that I believe God wants for each and every one of us. The problem is that I don't think a lot of us know what the purpose of our life is. And if we don't know the purpose of our life, then we can end up misusing our lives. So as a little way to demonstrate that, my wife and I spend uh, some of our anniversaries in Stillwater bed and breakfasting, and there's this amazing kitchen store, because we're really, really wild people. So, you know, some people skydive on their anniversaries, we go to kitchen stores. And this kitchen store, it's got the most unique, eclectic blend of utensils, and so then we have to go through the store and pick out something, cover up the labels, and then have to guess what it, I told you, we're really fun. <laughs> this is after we've had a lot of dancing, okay, just dinner, but we have to pick and guess what it is. So I thought I'd bring the game to you. So this is the first one. Right? Ah, now remember, they're all kitchen items. Anybody have an idea what this is? Napkins. A what? Good guess, chopstick holder. It's, it's a really ineffective cup to drink. It's to put your sponge in. That's right. Logan, go to the next one. There you go. It keeps your sponge dry and clean and out of the way. I mean, it's called the, it's called the stoneware swirl sponge holder. Hmm? Who would have thought? All right. Here's, now, I, again, I have to stress, this is a kitchen item. Okay. Oh, my gosh. It, some people think they're lids. They are actually called food huggers. Allison, you got it right. Yep, yep. These silicone, I feel like I'm on a talk show. These sil silicone cups, embrace, cut, embrace. Don't you love that? I know. This is the price is right. These silicone cups, embrace, 
products and produce cut to keep your fruits and vegetables fresher longer. The food hugger. All right, last one. Rack puller. Well, you got it right. It's actually the Joe Devil oven pull. It can safely push and pull your rack to access the hot items in your oven, right? I mean, who'd have thought? The fun part, though, isn't that a fun one? That was my favorite. All right, here's the point. The point is that when we don't know the purpose of something, we can misuse it. Like, I thought that was a back scratcher. And I don't even want to tell you what I thought the lids were, but when we don't know the purpose of something, we can just start guessing and experimenting with it. And that's what we do with our lives. We don't know the purpose of our lives, we just start experimenting. We can, some of us can spend our whole lives wondering what we were created to do and just completely miss it. And then I think when that happens, when we don't know the purpose of something, we go to the next important question, at least in our mind. Do you like it? Isn't that a cool Joe Devil oven pull? That's really cool. I don't know what it does, but oh, that's really neat. And I think, again, that's what we do in our lives. When we don't know the purpose of our lives, we're like, well, do you like me? Do you like my friends? Do you like what I do? Do you like my hair? Do you like my clothes? Do you like, do you like the major I'm in? Do you, do, you like, do you like my Facebook post? Do you like my picture from Instagram of the eclipse? Because I spent like almost an hour working on the caption and the filters. Do you like it? Do you like... I mean, that's how some of us live. And we think that if people aren't liking stuff, whether on social media or just in our life, that for some reason we're doing something wrong. Here's the giant issue and the reason that I think this is our first choice. Living for the approval of others will keep us from living for the purposes of God. Living for the approval of others will keep us from living for the purposes of God. And we can see it right in the scriptures. The fastest way that we can get detracted is to start caring too much about what other people think. And trust me, I know, I've done it a lot in my life. If we're consumed with what other people think, we can't be consumed with what God is thinking about us. And so I want to take us to Mark chapter 1. On the Bible, because Jesus understood this. I think Jesus is living this. I think that is, as we read this together, not that I want to determine what it says. I want it to let us speak to us. But I see a lot of purpose and intentionality into what Jesus is doing in this chapter. So we're going to start in verse 14, and we're going to read till verse 39. Mark 1. It says that as, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew, for they were fishermen. And he said they were casting a net into the lake. And he said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people at once. They left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in a boat. They were preparing their nets. And without delay, Jesus called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired workers and followed him. 
Then they went into Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not unlike the teachers of the law. And just then, a man in the synagogue who had, was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently, and it came out of him with a shriek. And all the people were amazed, and they asked each other, What kind of teaching is this? A new teaching with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly throughout the region of Galilee. Remember, it's the Sabbath day. So as soon as they left the synagogue, they went to James and John. They went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew, because Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about it. So he went with So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. Immediately the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. And that evening, after sunset, after Sabbath, then the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. And he also drove out demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Yet very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues, and driving out demons, healing people. It's God's word. I think it's good. I think it has something for us, and it speaks to us today. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's just starting out. He's been baptized by John, and John has been put in prison. John's life was going up. Now John's life is descending. Jesus takes over this ministry of repentance, of calling people into the kingdom of God. And as he's doing that, he's calling followers, he's calling apprentices, people who will learn what he's doing, and they say yes. It's always fun when someone says yes. Ever tried to invite people to a party and nobody shows up? Like, that's depressing. But these guys are saying yes. And fishermen are unique, because fishermen actually can ride two different social structures. James and John, they they worked with their father Zebedee, and it says that they left them, him, with the hired servants. They were successful enough fishermen to have employees. Fishermen could do pretty well and could hang out with the upper echelon of society, if you will. They could also, they were humble enough, they swore like sailors, if you will. They they got dirty, they could also hang with the people that were lower. They, They were very broad in their reach. He had apprentices. He starts teaching, and the people are amazed. They're like, what is this? A new teaching with authority? Makes you wonder what the other teaching was. But again, things are going well. Spirits are actually validating. Evil spirits are validating what he's doing. They're validating his identity. Ever had enemies actually validate your identity? 
it's pretty uplifting. It's pretty empowering. They might oppose you, but they're actually telling you who you are. They're giving you a resolve to keep doing what you're doing. That's what's happening with Jesus. And the news is spreading everywhere. People are being healed that are very close to him. People are being healed that are far away from him. And it says the whole town is gathered at the door. Everybody is coming to him. If they were a church, they would say, let's start a building committee now. This is good stuff. But then the story gets interrupted. And Jesus goes off to a lonely place or to the wilderness to pray. I just thought maybe Jesus needed alone time. Like maybe he was peopled out. But he was up very late because they couldn't come until after sunset because of the Sabbath rules. And then he gets up early in the morning before it's dark or before it's light. What motivates him to do that? And then when he's found by Simon and his companions, they're like, hey, this is good stuff. Why are you telling us to leave? Like, you've got a growing popularity that's going on. You're making a huge mistake. Your Facebook status is going way down. Your followers, they're going to start to reject you, unfriend you. And he just says, no, this is why I've come. I have to go throughout all of these villages. Yes, people here, they're being healed. But what about the people that are out there? What about the ones who don't know? I have come for all of these. I know my purpose, and if I live for the approval of people, that will keep me from living for the purposes of God. I think that's how Jesus could have looked at that. See, maybe Jesus went with and retreated with God because when you don't know the purpose of something, you don't start guessing. You go to the one who created the thing. And each one of us is created by God. We go to him as we seek to understand him. He actually tells us more about who we are. And if you want to choose purpose over popularity, which is a choice that I have to make over and over and over again. But if you want to choose purpose over popularity, then you need to retreat with God. Go spend time with him. I mean, Jesus was probably hearing a lot of people who had an agenda for his life. But maybe he was retreating with God because the last time he retreated with God, if you think about it, was when he was baptized and he heard this voice from heaven that gave him identity, that gave him affection, and gave him approval. And who doesn't want some identity, some affection, and some approval? You are my son, who I love, with whom I am well pleased. And if you think about it, Jesus has just started his ministry. All he's done is be baptized, and John the Baptist was trying to convince him that he didn't even need to do that. So what has Jesus really accomplished at this point? Just being a loved son. All, all he's done so far is be a son. In fact, his name, Jesus, in Hebrew means Yeshua or Joshua, which is this phrase that means God saves. Now, if you were to ask people who Jesus is, sure, some might say teacher, some might say leader, some might say moral example, but I think many people would say, well, he claimed to be the savior of the world. And Jesus 
saved through his speaking or preaching and through his healing. I think, I hope you heard that in the text. Jesus went here, spoke here. Jesus went here and healed here. There was this preaching and there was this healing. He was reconnecting people. He was restoring people because they were sick. They were hurting. They were diseased. So he was bringing them back into this full life. But the other thing that he was doing was he was reconnecting people with God. He was living out what his name meant. So Jesus was accomplishing something by just being who God created him to be. Now, if you're still not convinced that this is where it starts, when you choose purpose over popularity, when are humans created? On, in, in Genesis 1, like day 1, comes this light out of darkness. Day two, there's this expanse above and this expanse below. And then anyone know when humans are created? Which day? I'm hearing some of you are like, maybe. Is it a question? I'll be a teacher. Is it a question? Six. Day six. So what happens on day seven? Rest. Sometimes I think we've talked about this a little bit. So if day seven is rest, which means what's supposed to be accomplished? Nothing. Good. Stopping is supposed to be accomplished. Just not do anything. Then the first full day that humanity experiences with God is rest. See, so many of us think that we have to work, 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 work through the week, and then then we can rest. Then we can hear, well done, But purpose is all about understanding that God loves us because we're his kids, because he created us. And when we say yes to Jesus, that he sees us in this perfect light, that we don't have to do anything to be his child. Just say yes to him. But popularity, so much striving. I got to do this, to do this, to do this. And if I don't do this, then, then people won't like me. Or I got I to do this to make sure that my image is upheld, or to make sure that this purpose. God just wants to love you. Jesus retreated with God to be in his presence. To interact with his father. To enjoy relationship, not out of duty not to get his purpose. Certainly not to figure out what he was supposed to accomplish that day. And that's a, that's a perfectly good reason to spend time with God. But it's not the only reason. And it's not the ultimate reason. When we choose purpose, we are choosing relationship with God. And when we do it, what happens is purpose diminishes distractions. We don't have to be so consumed with what other people think. I mean, Jesus had some distractions. People were were listening to him as he preached. They probably had questions. There were opposition with demons. There were enemies that were jealous of his power and his healing and his authority. And Jesus just gets away. And he's reminded of why he's there. It diminishes the distractions, but it also empowers us. When we choose God's purpose, it empowers us to please God. Jesus went away with that place with more resolve. He came out of that time with God, that retreat with God, with more resolve to do what he was supposed to do. 
and to be who he was supposed to be. I think somebody needs to hear that today, that you, you have to be done striving and trying so hard. God wants us to enjoy his friendship, his relationship, his son or daughter, father attitude with us. I mean, Jesus even says, I can only do what the father's doing, and the son just does what he sees the father doing because the father loves the son. It says that in John 5. And I spent far, far, far too much of my life thinking, I have to go with God. I have to go pray so he can help me with this really big decision where I'm supposed to go to school, or I've got to pray so he can help me with this test, or I've got to pray so he can help me if I should date this person. And then, then when those big, big choices were, were out of the way, then God kind of went out of the way. It wasn't until later that I realized that God just wanted to spend time with me, that he wasn't interested in if I got the choice right or wrong so much as if I was just interacting with him. And when I did that, when I started to do that more and more, I realized that God had this abundant relationship and there's this abundant power to please him when we do this. Choosing God's purposes for each of our lives means that we're choosing to let God love us and we're loving him back. It's not about pleasing or achieving. We can't please everybody, but we can please God. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a baptism, and, uh, and it was awesome. And Kira Vilhauer shared just this little snippet in her baptism story about how she learned what her purpose was. I was so inspired that I asked her a little more about it, and she's going to come up and share that right now. So Kira, why don't you share how you discovered that purpose? Okay, uh, hello. <laughs> I am really nervous, but I'm going to do this, so. <laughs> hello, again. My name is Kira, and I'm a Christian, and I have dedicated my life to the Lord. I've also asked him into my heart at a very young age. God has been working in my life a lot the last couple of years, and that was one of the reasons I got baptized. Um, God has uncovered my mission to me, and that is to be kind and loving to others, to help out when I am needed, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. My mission was revealed to me one day in middle school group when we were talking about our stories, and I shared um, what I kind of wanted to do in life, and then later I realized God was like talking to me, and um, it wasn't really me speaking. That was more God kind of telling me what I needed to do, <laughs> and so... Um, I made that my mission, and it was pretty simple, and it can happen to anyone. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a seventh grader, and so it can happen to you, too. Uh, <laughs> Jesus is still writing my story, and I'm an unfinished masterpiece. He's reached out his hand to me before, and he will do it again. Um, God is speaking to you. Are you listening? Thank you, Kira. You're an unfinished masterpiece. 
Do you hear that? Ephesians 2.10 says that we are a masterpiece of God, that he's created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which he is preparing for us to do. It's really simple. Kira's having a conversation in middle school group, and all of a sudden, as she's talking, she hears, these aren't her words, these are God's words to her. And she's nailed it. She's gotten her purpose, which might not be exactly who you are. It might not be your purpose because God's put things in you that might be different than what he's put in Kira. But as you become who God has already created you to be, those good things will just come out. They'll be natural. It won't be striving for it. It won't be having to run after and then ask people, did you like that? Did you like me? Do you like me? Do you like what I did? You'll just be, oh, I feel the satisfaction and the pleasure of God. I feel the smile on his face that didn't come out of striving, that just came out of this sense of fullness, of goodness, of love getting poured in. And those things, they won't feel a burden. They'll actually feel empowering. So you'll come away with that with more energy than you did when you started it. You might not believe me, but it's true. I've experienced it in my own life. This is how we please God. I mean, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith... All we have to sometimes do is step into these little purpose moments like, oh, I think I'll be kind to the people around me. Or you're at home and there's a lot of babies around here. And I know with babies come big poops and little poops and all kinds of diapers everywhere. And so you just might be wiping butts all day long and you might be like, I just want to have an adult conversation. There's little purpose moments. I'm being faithful in that moment. I'm caring for this child, this I love this child, most of the time, I love, and God loves me. And it's not because I'm doing anything, because all that baby's doing is eating, sleeping, pooping, crying. I mean, they're, but they're cute, they're loving, and well, because not everybody's there. So it might be that you're in school, you're with your friends, and they want to go party. They want to stay up too late. They want to do things they shouldn't do. And and you choose not to do that because your purpose is to, to glorify God. Your purpose is to remain pure. Your purpose is to remain strong, to have a sharp mind and a strong body. And so you just go, you know what? I'm pleasing God. I don't have to care about what they think because I'm pleasing God because he thinks that I am an unfinished masterpiece, that he's working in my life. I don't choose that. I choose this because I know that pleasing God will... If I please God, I don't have to worry about pleasing people. And if I try to please people, I will not be pleasing God. So I am choosing my purpose over that. Or, or you're like Jacob here, who does his uh, volunteers in our prayer team, then volunteers in our outreach team, and then says, you know what? I got to advocate for orphans because nobody's advocating for orphans. That's my purpose. Like, I was an orphan. Somebody adopted me. And people just need to know that there is a world and a family out there that's called the family of Jesus. And if we just say yes one more time, it might not mean everyone's adopted, but it might be meaning orphans are being cared for. That's purpose. There's coming out of that. I'm not, I'm not worried about what other people think. Last time you thought about what other people think? Well, maybe last week. But that's because we need to choose it every day. But when we do, when we do, We'll feel the smile of God. The band's going to come up. But, you know, some of you, as they do, some of you, you're getting out of debt. And when you're getting out of debt, you're not spending money like other people are spending money. And they're asking you weird questions about it. You just remember, hey, I'm doing what the Bible says. I'm letting the only debt remain be the debt to love people. Because I am doing this for a purpose. I am living for the purposes of God. My d- distractions are being diminished. I'm being empowered to please him. 
every day, day after day, every week, week after week, every month, every month, month after month, and every year after year, you and I make choices. But you have to choose, am I living for others or am I living for the one who created me? Am I living to hear God's approval or am I living to hear people's approval? Would you pray with me? Father, we want to be people who choose purpose over popularity. We want to be people who say yes to you because you've said yes to us. God, you've created us and invited us to be in a relationship with you that isn't about our effort, that is all about the faithfulness of Jesus. God, we reject the achieving and the pleasing. I reject it. I know that I've lived it far too long, but I choose your purpose. I choose your pleasure. I choose to be faithful to you because you've been perfectly faithful in Jesus, you've been perfectly faithful to God, that in him I find life. God, I pray right now specifically for those that are Christians, those that say they believe and follow Jesus, those that want to surrender their life, those that have surrendered their life, but they recognize the reality that sometimes they run after what people think instead of what you think, God. I just pray that you would come to them, that you would speak to them, that you would, you would affirm them, that their purpose of loving you and loving others is good enough. God, that they don't have to be distracted by what other people think. That, God, when we're tempted to compromise our values or compromise our schedule or compromise our friendships, that we could say, nope, I'm choosing purpose. I know that I can only please one person today and I'm pleasing you, God. And tomorrow, I'm gonna please you, God. I'm gonna please my Father in heaven. That's the plaque that Jesus would have. That's the plaque I would have. That's the choice that I make. I choose to please you, Father. And finally, God, I pray for those that, that aren't sure about you, that, that don't know if you are the way and the truth and the life, that don't know if they choose you and your purpose, if that will lead to this full life. God, would you speak to me like, or would you speak to them like you spoke to me all those years ago when I was thinking that you were just concerned about the big choices? And yet, as I let you into my life more and more, little by little, God, you took over in positive ways. You showed me how unconditionally loving you are. You showed me how you gave your life, Jesus, and that you wash all my sins away. And I pray that today that we would choose you. We would ask for you to be Savior, that we would choose your purpose. We would have our sins washed away, that we'd experience new life, and we would do that today in the name of Jesus. Amen.